And let me have my welcome. It's good to see you. My name's John T. For those who don't know, um, I'm just going to grab this uh, flip chart just in case. Um, this is always it's always risky to draw pictures, but I might. I'm not sure, but I'll put it there in case I need it. Can I just say um, before we get into the passage, um, I, I kind of want to encourage you that um, just a few minutes ago I was given a, a check. Uh, by another church in London for £2,600 because they support the work we're doing. How cool is that? It's just another little church, not, you know, not a massive church, but a, a terrific church who actually support us and who love us and want to give us money. And that happens quite a lot. And I kind of want you to know that there's a, we're not kind of sitting here in London and no one really knows what's going on. There's a pile of churches who are supporting us, loving us, praying for us and sending money. And we've had gifts of £10,000 from a couple of churches. You know, there's real generosity that's going on. So, it's, it's quite, I find it quite humbling, actually. <laughs> you know, and it gives us a, a sense of, you know, we're, we're in this with others, which is, which is brilliant. And my great prayer is that as God causes us to grow, we would then be able to be a church which is generous to others. Because um, we want to be generous. But we're going we're gonna to crack on with um, Mark chapter 7. I'm going to pray. Let's, let's pray together. We need God's help. I realise that some of us are battling through terrible illness this afternoon. So well done for being here and stick with it. And uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that your spirit takes your word and makes it live for us. And we want that this afternoon. Father, please, we beg you that you would speak by your powerful spirit through your wonderful word in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I say, I've got a bit of a confession um, about this passage. And I, I don't know how you reacted when you first read it. I first read it and I was a bit sort of like, okay, there's a deaf man and Jesus makes him hear. Great. Jesus does that quite a bit, right? There's this sort of, there's this sense that, well, this is just another story. Yes, sick people get well, blind people see, deaf people hear, short people, no. You know, that kind of stuff. So it's a funny story, that. I, I, there was a guy I was, who never heard any of the Bible before. And we came across the story of a guy called Zacchaeus, who's very short. And this guy was convinced that Jesus was going to make him taller. He thought that's how the story was going to end. Uh, it, it isn't how it ended. Uh, but in this story, it's just another story of, a, of Jesus healing a man. And I, I found myself thinking, well, I mean, what am I going to do with this? You know, how many times can you say Jesus is powerful and does extraordinary things? How many times can you say that? And find different ways to say it. But let me tell you this. I'll tell you what. As I studied this passage and as I prayed about this passage, I have found this to be extraordinarily wonderful. And um, particularly when you remember where it comes in Mark's gospel. It's really important. This is not just a random story. The way Mark's gospel works is the first bit of Mark, chapters 1 to 6, there's piles of miracles. Loads of them. Raising the dead, he lives, da, 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 da. Loads of them showing Jesus' power. And you'd expect this story to be there. But instead, Mark puts it here. Why? Why is this story here? Well, if you remember, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, if you haven't, don't worry. But in, the, in this chunk of Mark, Jesus is showing what the real problem is with, with humanity. This idea of a hard heart. We've seen this uh, a, a few times recently. And I think that helps us to get to grips with this story. And what it teaches us. I, I find it fascinating that uh, our society struggles with silence, doesn't it? 
We're not very good at silence. If I stood and was just silent for five minutes, that would be really awkward. And, and football fans don't cope with silence. Have you noticed this? We used to have a minute silence when someone died, but we think, well, I, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm standing and I feel embarrassed. So now we have a minute's applause because it's much better because we can, yes, we know what to do now, right? What is it with silence that freaks us out so much? I've been, I've been thinking about that this week and um, it made me think of something else. Now, I, I realise at this point I risk uh, slightly embarrassing myself, but I'm not a world expert on the whole nightclubbing scene. Um, it's, it's been a while, let's say that. And, uh, but I was reading something the other day about a new craze in nightclubbing uh, called silent disco. Have you come across the silent disco? Yes, you see? See how, see how in touch I am? Yes, I'm feeling more confident now because you're nodding. I'm feeling a wave of positivity. I'm going with this now. If you know, this is how a silent disco works, right? As you go in, you're given a pair of headphones, wireless headphones. And then, as you can suggest, you listen to the music in your headphones and you dance. Okay, I might have blown it. That's it. I'm feeling the positivity sucked out of the room. You, you know, you, you dance. <laughs> and you, uh, you, know, you have a good time. But the great thing is, of course, you can listen to this... The beauty of that is you don't have to listen to the same thing as someone else. This is cracking. Because if I don't like the music that one DJ is playing, I can listen to a different DJ but still be in the same room. Isn't that cool? So I can be listening to, you know, Spice Girls over here and someone else is listening to, you know, something less cool over there. And we can all be having a happy time. And we've got our heads full of noise... Here's a way to totally kill that experience. You take your headphones off. What happens? It becomes utterly ridiculous. It just becomes ridiculous. If you take your head, you know, you're in there, you're right in the mood, it's completely taking you up, you're in the moment with everybody else, and you take your headphones off, and it's like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. And it's hilarious. You can, I, I don't advise spending hours doing this, and I haven't spent much of my time, but you can watch YouTube videos of silent discos. It's brilliant. Because you've got all these people singing different tunes at the top of their voices. Because <laughs> they're listening to their thing. Now, I wonder, right, try this. I wonder if the reason our world is fearful of silence it's because if we, we fear, if we take the headphones off, that we might discover life to be utterly ridiculous. And so we'd rather have the headphones on. I'd rather be listening to something and just going on with life. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to get money. I'm going to have this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm listening to my tune. If I fear if I take the headphones off, the silence will make everything ridiculous. That's why we don't know what to do with silence. What do I do when I'm forced to stand for two minutes silence? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I like the noise. I like the noise. And I think that that is partly why our culture finds silence um, 
to be terrifying. Um, just to try and regain some credibility on my, my music front, um, Pink Floyd, this is a CD, for those who've never seen one of these before. Uh, Pink Floyd, an amazing band who I used to love a lot. Uh, back in the early 80s, they wrote an album called The Wall. And the whole thing about this album is a guy, a fictionary guy called Pink Floyd, who builds this wall. And there's this amazing song called Is Anybody Out There? And, I mean, that is the only lyrics in it. It says, is there anybody out there? 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 And then an amazing guitar solo. But I think there's a terrifying thought in us. What if there is nothing out there? And we cry for it. But we want to keep the headphones on. Because what if there's nothing there? And here is a man in our story who has lived his life in silence. His life is silent. He can hear nothing. And it confronts us with this terrifying silence. What if there is nothing beyond the headphones? Look, let me, let me draw something to try and help you understand this. So I really want us to try and engage with this. I'm sorry if you can't see this, but it will help me if I draw. Um, here's God. And here's me. Okay. And here's me, and I'm wearing my headphones, and I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I, that's, that's my security. It keeps me safe. It makes me feel like my life has some sense and meaning. And the danger is that I might take my headphones off and discover that there is silence. And here is the silence. And that silence really is terrifying. Because it makes my life ultimately meaningless and ridiculous. That's why we love the headphones. Now, the Bible says that there is a God. The Bible says that ultimately there isn't silence. There's a God who speaks. So here's my question. Where does the problem lie? Why is it that humanity often experiences silence when it comes to God? Woody Allen the comedian said, God is silent if only humans would shut up. God is silent. That's how most people think about God. If there is a God, he's a silent God. There's only silence, and that silence is terrifying. Where does the problem lie? Is the problem with God that he's silent, or is the problem with me that I'm not listening? This is a complicated answer. We're going to do some theology, so we're going to have to Stick with this. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a happy time, right? Can you turn in your Bibles to Amos chapter 8? Oh, yes. Amos. Joel Amos. I'm going to give you a page number because it will save us all time. 924. 924. Amos chapter 8. We're trying to understand why do we experience a silence. Why does it feel like God isn't there? Why does it feel like there's silence? All right? Amos chapter 8, verse 11. I'm going to read it. You tell me where the problem lies. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. 
Not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Where does that verse say the problem lies? It's not a trick question. Where does the problem lie, according to that? With God, right? A famine of hearing. God says, I am going to be silent. There will be silence from heaven. Why? Because humanity has rejected God. There is silence from heaven. To have a silent God means to be under God's anger, that he would choose not to speak. It's a devastating thing. God says, I'm going to send a famine of hearing my word. People will not hear from me. It will be silent. That's a terrifying thing. Right, now flip forward to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. It's uh, page 1002. Right, look at verse 9, Mark chapter 1, verse 9. We are getting back to the deaf man, but this is really important. I want us to get this silence thing, okay? At that time, this is when Jesus arrives on the scene, okay? First arrives on the scene. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. There is, right, get this, all right? Silence from heaven because God is angry with this world. But in the coming of Jesus, do you see what we're told? Heaven has been torn open. Isn't that a great picture? When Jesus comes into the world, heaven is torn open, the spirit is poured out, and now there is not silence from heaven. Now, God, through Jesus, that is so useless. God has torn heaven open. Now his word, his son has come to speak the word. Heaven is not silent. Can you see that? Okay, now, the question then means, if there's silence, if I experience silence from heaven, the problem is not with God. The problem is with me. The problem is that I am deaf. I cannot hear his word. Okay, here's an interesting question then. Is it that I cannot hear his word, or is it that I will not? Okay, you theological people with brains, all of you have brains, that wasn't a rude thing, that you don't have a brain, I'm not a... uh, Sorry, that was a really rubbish way to put that. Which is true? You won't remember the TV programme, but uh, this is so frustrating. All my illustrations are so out of date. There used to be a great TV programme called Can't Cook, Won't Cook, right? And they took two people, one who couldn't cook and the other one who wouldn't cook. So, what? you know, two people, and they gave them food and taught them how to cook. Here's my question. Is it that we can't hear or is it that we won't hear? Are we 
victims, Paul it last with death, or are he rebellious and won't hear? Which is true? We're going to save a lot of time. Cut through. <laughs> They're both true. According to the Bible, they are both true. It is true to say that I cannot hear God's word. I am deaf. I cannot hear. That's why there's silence. But it's also true to say that I won't hear. That I am deliberately not listening. That I am rebellious. Does that, does that make sense? You may not understand why those two things are both true, but they're both true. If I look at my heart, I think actually the reality is I won't hear and also I can't hear. That is why humanity experiences silence when it comes to God. Not because God hasn't spoken. Because God in his grace has torn heaven open. He's given us Jesus. That's what Mark is all about. And the problem is that I'm deaf. I can't hear and I won't hear. And so even that cry of Pink Floyd, is there anybody out there? The problem is that even though there is someone out there, we can't hear. And that is why our world experiences a a terrifying sound of silence. So if you know what that feels like, if you know what it feels like for God to be silent, let's have a look at this story. Let's look what happens next. Because I want to show you that there's a voice that pierces the silence. I I really want you to see this, okay? If you've ever experienced anything of that silence, you've sat in, you know, you've sat in your room with a Bible and you just thought, I can't hear you, God. What are you saying? I can't hear anything. What do you do? Here's the voice that pierces through the silence, that cuts through that terrifying silence of our world. Look what Jesus does. This man, right, let's get right into the story now. That was a very, very, very long introduction. But it set lots of groundwork. So here's this man coming. He's being brought by Jesus. He's utterly passive in this story. He doesn't do anything. Do you notice that? He doesn't have faith. He doesn't come. He doesn't do anything. He's brought by friends. He doesn't say anything. He does nothing. They bring him to Jesus. He's deaf and he could hardly talk. They begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And can you see from all we've said so far, here is a man who is like a picture of our world. A man who's deaf. Look what Jesus does. After Jesus took him aside, away from the crowd. Right, look, look at this. This is so beautiful. He doesn't want to do, he doesn't use this man to kind of show off his skills. Ah, a deaf man. Gather around crowds, let me show you how I can heal a deaf man. No, no, Jesus isn't like that. He's not some cheap showman. Jesus is a loving, compassionate man. And he sees this deaf man and his heart breaks for this deaf man. And so he takes him aside. He wants to deal with this man personally. I think this is very, very beautiful and it challenges how showy we are in church sometimes. Let me show off how great we are. Rubbish. Jesus takes him aside. Jesus puts his fingers in a man's ears. <laughs> Slightly weird, yeah? And then he spits and touches the man's tongue. Odd. Except that the man is deaf, 
And Jesus wants this man to understand. He doesn't just go, biff, baff, boff, be healed. He wants, him to ex- he wants him to know, I'm going to open your ears. I'm going to loosen your tongue. I'm going to even put my word, the word of my mouth, into your mouth. And now I want you to look what happens next. I want you to look very, we're going to look very closely at verse 34. We're going to pull this apart because it's very... It gives us an insight into what Jesus is doing. Here is Jesus, the voice that pierces the darkness. Look at verse 34. He looked up to heaven. Why? Why did he look up to heaven? You've got to ask that when, the, when we're reading the Bible. You've got to keep asking that question. Why? Why does he do that? He looked up why? He looked up to heaven because heaven is home for Jesus. That's where he's... Remember? Heaven was torn open at his baptism. His father said, this is my son. I love him. Heaven is torn open. And here is Jesus. And Jesus, it's like he's constantly looking up. That's where his eyes are. That's where his home is. He's from heaven. He comes with the word from heaven. He looks to heaven. It's the upward look all the time. Jesus in communion with heaven all the time. He's not sticking his fingers in his ears. He's not deaf. He's not put some headphones on and gone, ooh, I'm going to put the power headphones on. Look how much power I could get. Boom, boom, boom. I can get power and heal people, make a name for myself. Jesus isn't putting headphones on. He's constantly listening to the voice of his Father. He's in communion with heaven itself. That's Jesus. It's so beautiful. He looks to heaven because heaven's his home. And then I want you to look. What, is that? what happens next? He looked to heaven and with a deep sigh. Why does he sigh deeply? What's that? Why are we told that? Don't just read that and go, oh, well, sigh deeply. Why? He looks to heaven. Heaven is his home. But earth is so frustrating. That is a sigh. That's not a sigh of... Oh, It's a sigh of frustration. It literally means he groans. There's a frustration for Jesus as he comes with the word of God and people won't hear him. He comes to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and he speaks the word to them, but they won't hear him. And we know that that's what's going on because in chapter chapter 8, we're going to see this next week, but look, just flick over to verse 12. Chapter 8, verse 12. You don't need to flick anyway, sorry. Just chapter 8, verse 12. Verse 11, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus, to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation? It's a frustration. Earth is so frustrating because Jesus has come with the most wonderful message, a message of life, a message of forgiveness, a message of a kingdom that lasts forever, a message from heaven, and people won't listen. That's why he sighs deeply. Earth is frustrating. And even in this section, can't you imagine? I think if I'd been Jesus, I'd have said, stuff you all. I'm going back to heaven. You're not listening to me. I'm going back to my father. But he doesn't. And this is wonderful, isn't it? He doesn't go back to heaven. Because there's work to do. Heaven is home, earth is frustrating, but there's work to do. So look what happens. Verse 34 again. He looked up to heaven, that's his home, with a deep sigh. Earth is frustrating. 
he said, Ephatha, which means be opened. And there's the voice. Oh, we just read those words. But those words have the power to pierce right into the ears of that deaf man. And the first word that man ever hears. Isn't that cool? There's the, there's the voice that can pierce the silence. The silence that we've experienced. The silence where we cannot hear God. Suddenly, hears a voice that pierces even to the deafness of our hearts. A voice that says, be opened. And as soon as Jesus speaks those words, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Can I say to you, if you have ever experienced that deafness, you've just thought, God is silent, God's not speaking. Can I say to you, this is what you need to do. You need to beg Jesus to speak his piercing voice into your silence. Ask him to do it. This is nothing to do with how clever you are. To hear God is nothing to do with how clever you are. It's nothing to do with how much you understand. It's nothing to do with how good you are or how holy you are. It's all to do with this piercing voice of Jesus. You cannot hear God if Jesus doesn't open your ears. It's so humbling for us because we want to go, really? Come on, surely I can. I'm, I'm a smart guy. I can work this out. You can't. You can't work it out. You cannot hear the voice of God unless Jesus opens your ears. That is what Jesus came from heaven to do. That is why Jesus went to a cross to die. And can I say this to you? There was a time when Jesus experienced silence from heaven. As Jesus died on the cross, there was a moment when he cried out to his father and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is there silence? Where's the... Where's my father's voice gone? Why can't I hear you, father? Where have you gone? And in that moment, the sin of all of his people, my sin, your sin, was placed on Jesus. And Jesus was cut off from the father. He couldn't hear his father's voice. And in that moment, he experienced the silence of God's judgment. The silence that I will never experience because he took it for me. Jesus came with work to do and his work was to be a voice that pierces the deafness of our ears. Heaven is home for Jesus. Earth is so frustrating but Jesus did not give up. He didn't abandon. He went to a cross to die. And there's one final thing I want to show you. There's news that replaces the silence. I love this. As soon as, look at the sequence in verse 35. At this, the man's ears were opened. What happens once his ears are opened? Suddenly his tongue is loosened and he starts to speak plainly. (laughs) As soon as he's hearing, he starts speaking. And even though verse 36, Jesus commands him not to tell anyone, and the reason he commands him not to tell anyone is because Jesus hasn't come to simply heal people. He's come to die on a cross to save people. And if people think it's just about healing, they're going to misunderstand. But they can't keep him quiet. The more they kept talking about it, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. 
Suddenly there's something worth speaking about. There's news to fill the silence. Right, we're going to go one last place, okay? You're doing really well, stick with it. We're going to go for one last uh, place in the Old Testament. I want you to go, I'd love you to turn to it because it'll really help you. Isaiah 35, right? Isaiah 35. On page 720. 720. Got it? Isaiah 35, 720. I'm going to read from the start of chapter 35. Listen to this. Here's God's promise. And you'll see why the people say what they say in Mark. The desert and the parched land will be glad. Okay, desert and parched land, that's the deaf world. Silence from God will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. How do you know when God has come to save you? Then, verse 5, the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And so it goes on. How do you know when God has come to earth to save his people, when the deaf hear and the mute speak? And here they are. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is it. This is the great news. This is the joy. And suddenly their mouths are full of joy. There's joyful news to speak to the world. Because God has come to save. God is not silent. God's not sitting in heaven with his mouth shut. He sent his son. And now there's news to speak. There's joy to be found. Even in a world of pain, there's real joy. And so they speak of Jesus. And this news replaces the silence. Go back to the silent disco. Imagine the silent disco for a second. Here is everyone in our world. They've got their headphones on. They're listening to their little tune. They're terrified of taking their headphones off. You know the great tragedy is that if they take their headphones off, there isn't silence. There is a beautiful song. Much better song than anything that they can listen to in their headphones. They spend their lives with their heads down, listening to their own little tune, trying to get through life, trying to make sense of life, while all the time, if they would take their headphones off, there is a beautiful song. A song not that will put your head down, but a song that will lift your head. A song not that will bring temporary joy, that will bring everlasting joy. There's a song to be listened to. Not a song that's about me and my individual little world, but a song that I sing with others together with God's people. There's a song. That's why Jesus came. To open the ears of the deaf. To take off the headphones of those who are listening to some rubbish and heading for a world, an eternity of silence away from God where they will not hear God's voice and God sent his son so that you could hear him. Don't don't ignore his voice. 
today, right now, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't shove the headphones on. Listen to this voice. And as you listen to it, can I tell you something? As you listen to this voice, heaven is your home. Heaven is your home. If you're a Christian sitting here this afternoon, do you know heaven is your home? Are you looking there? Is that where your eyes go? How often do you look to heaven like Jesus? You look up, an upward look to God. Is that your identity? Heaven is is your home. And earth is so frustrating. And it's frustrating to try and share this news with people, isn't it? You try and tell people about Jesus and they don't want to know. They're not listening. No one's listening. And it's so frustrating. And it's tempting to say, I'm fed up with this. I'm going to give up. You can't. There's work to be done. How does God open the ears of the deaf today? As those who've had their ears opened, then let their tongues loose to speak this message. As Jesus puts his word in your mouth so that you can speak the word. And today, how do people hear the voice that pierces the silence? As you open your mouth and speak it. You have the power. If you have... If you've heard the voice of Jesus, you have the power today to pierce the silence of those who live in London. We've got to let our mouths, we've got to open our mouths. There's work to be done. I know it's frustrating. And I know that most of us would prefer to go to heaven. (laughs) Let's just be done with this world. It's rubbish. Let's just go to heaven and be with Jesus. You can't because there's work to be done. There's too much work to be done. And our job is to work just like Jesus, to persevere and to speak his word. So in answer to Pink Floyd's question, is there anybody out there? Yeah, there is. Absolutely there is. And he's speaking. And he wants you to listen and he wants you to know him. The question is, will we listen? Will we hear that voice that pierces the darkness? And perhaps even this week, when you sit, you get your Bible open, you think, God isn't speaking. Jesus, speak with a voice that opens the ears. Let's pray now and, and, and ask that Jesus would do that amazing miracle for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we live in a world that is terrified of silence. We, we love to just put on the headphones and get on with our lives and get on with the things that are important to us and drown out you and forget about you. Father, thank you that you you so love this world that you sent Jesus to tear heaven open, to speak, to speak, so that we might know you, so that we might find true joy, joy that lasts. Father, help us not to ignore the music of heaven. Help us to listen to this music, to delight in it. And Lord Jesus, we ask, even this week, even now, would we hear the voice that pierces the silence of our hearts, And might we find our joy in this voice that opens the ears of the deaf. And as we hear it, might we then speak it, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to, we're going to sing. Because that's, I think that's probably what this deaf man did. That's what I'd do if I couldn't hear and then I couldn't speak. I think the first thing I'd do when Jesus opened my ears and my mouth would be to sing and to praise him. So we're going to sing and um, we're going to sing O great God of highest heaven
occupy my lowly heart. And can I say to you, let's sing with joy. Even when we don't feel joy, we're still commanded to be joyful. So the fact you don't feel it is no excuse. We're commanded to rejoice. If Jesus has opened your ears, let's rejoice in that. Let's celebrate it. Let's stand together and let's worship.